0: does have it all all of our pre-owned vehicles are hubler q certified which include a 128 point vehicle inspection a free carfax vehicle history report and two warranties a two-year 100,000 mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day 1,000 mile comprehensive warranty visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com
1: you're listening to the best of kevin inquiry on 93.5 and 1075 the fan Kind of the story of the morning, right, Kevin? Like, here we are on a Monday, which feels like it's been six months since we've seen each other. Good morning to everybody, and getting the jolt back for, back to work now for the stretch heading into the holidays, and it's a Colts Monday, Colts playing tonight, Monday night football. We've had it circled on the calendar since the schedule came out, and that would, and probably still will be, the dominant part of our conversation, but how about the weekend for Purdue Athletics? Unbelievable, uh,
2: unbelievable for both their football and basketball programs. Um, yeah, you know, you think you haven't played a Monday night home game, Jake, since what twenty fifteen? It would take something pretty special to supersede that, and Purdue accomplished it. And boy, it started the wee hours of Thanksgiving. I I, I couldn't make it to the second half of the Gonzaga game. I was like, gosh, I'm. Struggling. Neither could
1: Gonzaga. <laughs> yeah, they right?
2: uh, they definitely did Holy not. How? And, and I guess it's just. You know what, Purdue did in each of those three games. Like, I kind of forget. I mean, they beat a Bob Huggins team by double digits in the opener of that tournament. Then they do the same thing to Gonzaga and their close yesterday with Duke. Um, those three wins will look pretty, pretty darn good in the month of March.
1: I thought about that. Like, they've already accumulated and stockpiled.
2: Yeah. I mean, what do
1: they always say? What do you do in the non
2: conference? What do you do away from home? Right, and they just got three beautiful, again, convincing-looking wins, and obviously, what happened in Bloomington, I guess, what happened in Iowa City on Friday afternoon with Nebraska holding on to beat Iowa, um, and then on f- just sadly, you know, the, there is a bit of a Hollywood feel to it all with the tragic passing of Aiden O'Connell's brother, um, it, and you hear the emotion of Jeff Brom in that post-game press conference. Jake, we've had him on before; he is a very stoic individual. Right, Very stoic. And we'll play the audio a little bit later. We'll have Bob Kravitz on at 9 o'clock who asked Jeff that question, the postgame presser. Um, I remember we had Jeff on back a few months ago. He said, you know, Aiden O'Connell's a guy you want to marry your daughter. And everything the O'Connell family's been through this past week, Aiden specifically, to go ahead and, you know, be down at halftime in that game, come back and win that game, and now be rewarded with this, hopefully provides a little bit of a glimmer. I It's been a very tragic week for that family.
1: So there's been uh, a lot that's taken place since we were last here. We'll talk about all of it over the course of the morning. Good morning to you. That is the voice of Kevin Bowen. My name is Jay Query. Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Query on 93.5, 107.5. The fan as everybody's kind of getting up and going back to work. And this is really, I mean, it really is a fun time of year because, uh, you know, Thanksgiving's great. I think a lot of people... Are kind of itching to get back i know that sounds crazy but get back into the flow of things to then set themselves up and get ready for the holidays but kevin it does feel like a while ago since we were here did you have a good somewhat of a week if
2: yeah you will yeah I, I did i you know we were saying last wednesday jake it's always one of my favorite weeks of the year um you know obviously to see family and friends and you know set on wednesday i feel like the older you get at least me personally the more thankful I've become, unfortunately, it kind of takes age to drill that into me. Uh, but then from a sporting standpoint, I mean, I forgot like 10 things that happened on totally Wednesday night into yep. Thursday. I mean, the Pacers have played three games. Um, you know, you had a really good Minnesota-New England Thursday night Thanksgiving game. Uh, the United States-England and soccer on Friday. Um, and then obviously everything that transpired here locally from Purdue and Indiana and the Michigan-Ohio State game. I, I, all of a sudden we've got like two massive head coaching moves in the Big Ten, and that's like 13th on the radar today.
1: Yeah, how about Luke Fickle coming? You know, it's interesting. I was talking to my buddy Doug Heath as a huge Cincinnati, I think season ticket holder, for Cincinnati football. And I texted him yesterday, and I said, Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. And he's like, that would stun me. There's no way that's the case. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you. And then it comes out, and he said, that would surprise me because Luke Fickle had turned down Notre Dame. And now accepts Wisconsin, and you know you never know the, the the inner workings of what might go through somebody's mind. You know who knows, right? Luke Fickle may have family that lives in Madison. I mean, I, who knows? But Kevin, this is going to sound crazy, and I, I again, this is going to sound crazy. But is it possible in 2022? And hear me out. But is it possible in 2022, even though I think we have pretty good inclination, that eventually Notre Dame is going to find its way into the Big Ten, as there still appears to be this looming, eventual merging of conferences into like power conferences, is it possible that Wisconsin— is considered a parallel job to Notre Dame, not because of the tradition, because Notre Dame trumps that, not because of even the fan base or the lore, because Notre Dame would trump there as well, but because it is already in the Big Ten, and therefore you know that you are moving into a conference that you know is possibly going to be like the Super Conference, and they're already there as opposed to waiting to find out what happens with Notre Dame.
2: I so Luke Fickle turned down.
1: Notre Dame. That I, is that is news to me. I, Luke Fickle supposedly was approached by Notre Dame, wasn't he? I I should have I should have clarified. Doug was saying that, and I he's a he's very tied into Cincinnati. Gotcha. So I, I, I,
2: I was not. I, I, I was under the impression that he wanted to coach Cincinnati through the playoff last year.
1: That may be the case. That may be. The, and Notre did did Dame Notre obviously Dame wanted to move quicker? Did Notre Dame reach out to Green? him? I I don't know. Um. Yeah. I, let that. me let me be clear. There. I by no means am I saying that that like Notre Dame officially had right. made him an offer.
2: I was stunned to see that name. Jake, I know we're not necessarily here with the Colts yet, but we probably can discuss this during the bye week. And there were some interesting Jim Irsay comments with Stephen Holder, by the way, uh, on Thanksgiving. I believe Jim Irsay decided to have a chat with Stephen Holder. We can get to as well today. Um, If Chris Ballard, Jake, in my opinion, if he was, is, whatever you want to call it, spearheading any sort of coaching search, I thought Luke Fickle would have been on a very short list. I, I would agree with that. I, Jim so that's why I'm stunned. Jim Harbaugh's name is going to come out as well, right? Yeah, and again, I'm, I guess Ballard and Fickle specifically. I know Ballard is extremely impressed by what Fickle's done there. It seems I, lateral would be a slap in the face of Wisconsin in the Big Ted Conference, but it just seems like Luke Fickle had, he could wait for bigger.
1: Okay.
0: Like if Ryan Day ever
2: goes to the NFL, How about this?
1: doesn't Luke Fickle go to Ohio State? Well, I and I think you still could go from Wisconsin to Ohio State, to be honest with you. But allow me to ask this. Chris Ballard, you, you said, has like an admiration for Luke Fickle. Do they have, and I don't know the answer to this, do they have a personal connection?
2: I don't think there's anything personal. I just think he's been very impressed by what he's done at Cincinnati. Got to know him a little bit more during the draft process with Alec Pierce. And I, I think that's because the, then
1: conspiracy theory Jake would say, Well, maybe Luke Fickle knows that Chris is not the guy making that decision and decided, well, you know what, that's not in the cards for me.
2: Or he could go another way and say Chris Ballard played at Wisconsin. Maybe he told the Wisconsin higher ups this is who you need to hire. Yeah. I mean that he's a heck of a coach, though. I don't think there's any doubt and about And then that, Matt right? Rule to Nebraska, all of this is unfolding. I'm thinking, Does Scott Dolson sit in Bloomington and think, hmm, this arms race we're not really running the same race everybody else is running. Kevin, I, I watched
1: the, matter of fact, I think I sent it to you guys. The Big Ten Network, and this is one of those that's like, I don't think this went the way they were hoping it would. The Big Ten Network showed video of Tom Allen's pregame speech Yes, sending, so yeah. sending his guys I out onto that. the field in the bucket game. Relentless, right? He's... I mean, he's literally, like, maniacally pacing back and forth. He looks like a coach, granted, and he's he's doing this rah-rah speech, and players are, like, staring at the floor. And then he's like, all right, you know, boy, bucket on three. And the team's kind of like, bucket. And, I mean, guys are rolling their eyes. I, I'm not trying to kick a guy while his team is down, but that looked to me like a guy that – you tell me, Kevin, if I'm being too cynical here because that is a weakness of mine – but it looked to me like a guy that has completely lost his locker room.
2: Yeah, I mean, they did, I guess, show up for a half. And obviously, the Dexter Williams injury, absolutely awful to see. And that looks like one that could certainly impact his 2023 season. Um, So, yeah, Purdue, Big Ten Championship this Saturday night right here uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium. Jake, I, I don't think it's a big... Sp- percentage of purdue fans but i'm like soak up this week embrace this week i mean you're a two touchdown underdog
1: probably a little bit more than that oh it's house like, money you kidding me who cares It's I house mean, money. you
2: dream of being in these sorts of games and what an accomplishment in a year that's had so much roller coaster nature for purdue from the penn state you know late game kind of collapse there same thing in syracuse you know at moments it looked like there was no chance you could get back into that Big Ten West picture. And now Jeff Braum has gotten the program back to a level that Daryl Hazel wasn't even close, close oh. to sniffing. Um, so big kudos to Jeff Braum and Purdue. You know, Watching them yesterday, Jake, it's one of those things where, and I guess tr- transition over to Matt Painter and the Boilers, I, I feel like... Painter is such a master at putting the right pieces to the roster puzzle together. Unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. Which like, is, I think, such an underrated aspect of like college basketball coaching. It's that you've got to make sure you find the right pieces, the pieces then fit together, and with Zach Eady being kind of the main, I mean, he is definitely the main return guy for them after last season without Stefanovic and Ivy and and Trayvon Williams. Matt Painter has put a bunch of shooters, a bunch of great passers around him, guys that are willing to make the extra pass, and they know, hey, you know, if I'm trying to throw the ball into Edie in the post, maybe from the corner isn't the best idea. Let's throw it up to the wing and see if we can get a better angle there. And I've said this to a lot of Purdue fans over the years. Because obviously what happens in March has been such a sour taste for them. I am a big believer, and maybe the Colts era kind of ingrained this into me, Jake. I'm a big believer in you just create annual opportunities and you will eventually get it done. Yeah. And Matt Painter has given that for Purdue. They are a top 4-5 seed on an annual basis and they will eventually, the ball will bounce their way in March They'll hit some shots, et cetera, et cetera, and they will make a run. Similar to that Colts era, I mean, you know this full well, Jake. That 2016 was not the best team of that era. Correct. Not the second best team Correct. of that era. But yet, some things broke their way. Bob Sanders returns to health, and boom, they win it all. I I just feel like Painter is one of the few, few coaches in college basketball that gives his program, amidst the change, a routine annual chance of being a high seed in March,
1: Um, and it's beautiful to watch. Here's the thing about the Purdue roster that, to me, is the most impressive. I watched them a lot, a lot of their games here over the weekend. and The selflessness, to your point, Kevin, uh, you know, Caleb First, who was a Mr. Basketball, and, you know, there are a lot of guys that would be like, I'm going there, I'm going to be the guy. Like, I'm the... He's making extra passes to Zach Eadie. He's kicking it back outside to Fletcher Lawyer, who's a freshman. You know, totally, totally unselfish in the way that he plays. Mason Gillis, a guy that's battled injury, that Purdue was patient with him, saw in him probably what others didn't throughout the recruiting process, really good outside shooter. Perfect compliment for what they need in spreading the ball around. Braden Smith, a guy that just won in high school that people looked at and said he makes everybody on the floor better. I know that he's not a five-star. I know he's only six foot, but just a really smart, like Scott Skiles-type, bulldog-type player. Trey Kaufman-Wren, big-time recruit, is willing to redshirt, is willing to sit and wait, and Purdue is patient with him. And works him in, and then of course Zach Eady, who you know there is precedent in terms of Purdue big men, but Zach Eady might be the best in terms of facilitator elsewhere. In the event that things collapse on him offensively, that they've had, I mean he's probably a better passer of moving the ball around than saying Isaac Haas, but it is literally guys that that perfectly fit. I think I told you before. I know I've mentioned it before. I will not say the name of the player. But there was a big time player a handful of years ago that everybody in America wanted that was playing high school basketball within two and a half hours of West Lafayette. And I asked Purdue once, I'm like, why are you, like, how come you guys aren't in on this player? Like everybody else seems to be in on him. And literally the answer I got back was, he's pay for play. We're we're not going to do that here. Now, in name, image, likeness era, things have changed in that regard. But the point being, Purdue saw a certain player and said he's a big time talent, but he's a handout talent, and we're not going to do that. We want guys here that are hands in, not not looking for a handout, and and that's what I love about Purdue basketball.
2: You know, they identified Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer very early in the process, which I think is I really, that worked out, yeah, it, which I think is a really difficult thing to do. Um and left, you know, really strong impressions on both of those guys. And again, just so skilled. Great passers, great shooters. Um, the hustle. I mean, I'm watching Edie dive for a loose ball yesterday. I'm thinking, if I was seven four, if I'm diving for a loose ball, I mean I wouldn't be getting up off the floor for a year. And Edie's shooting I'm mean, shooting it well from the foul line. Uh, John Shire said it after the game. It's just you you cannot prepare for what Edie just Edie's sheer size, and then the fact that Purdue has a lot of pieces around him to where there's not a liability from a shooter, there's not a liability from a passer, Um, and if you look at their schedule in December, like they're at Florida State this week, that's the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Florida State stinks.
1: I think Purdue's going to be undefeated come New Year's. Have the newest rankings come out yet this morning? Because I'm like, how are they not a? Top? I mean, I know Houston's probably going to be number one, right? Or Texas, I think is, but
2: like, yeah, you were saying they got to
1: be top ten, but right? But their resume for what they've done already, yeah, if definitely. He, I mean, if the NCAA tournament started today, which it doesn't, they'd be a number one seed. Well, you forget too,
2: like they beat Marquette at home. I mean, that's you know that's also a nice win um, early on, and I really think they will run the table here in the month of December. Has the Indiana North Carolina game this week lost a little luster?
1: Boy, poor Indiana, at no fault of theirs, some of the, I mean, they're still really good games, but you were kind of hoping that they would see an undefeated North Carolina or an undefeated Kansas. Now, they're going to get Arizona, who's still unbeaten, but yeah, a little bit, right?
2: Yeah, North Carolina lost to, was it, Iowa State and Bama, and then... Bama was in 14 overtimes, right? <laughs> so, they have just played a four-overtime game. They're flying from Portland back to Chapel Hill. I'd assume they're, what, landing like now and then getting on a plane tomorrow afternoon for bloomington
1: that's probably right yeah
2: and armando baycott their big guy got banged up yesterday we'll see about his availability so purdue indiana both are wednesday in the acc big 10 challenge uh pacers got run off the floor yesterday a bit
1: yeah was there um that was a an early morning game LA time I guess but for Eastern on, what an odd yeah they're on time. Eastern time so like well, this shouldn't matter but yeah 114 to 100 Clippers over the Pacers uh last night I went to the Pacer game Wednesday against Minnesota Minnesota's really good I, that again that I realize a lot's happened since then um but the Pacers still I you know their mark is still really good I think that there was kind of the expectation that maybe we're getting ready to go into a period where water will find its level a little bit with them.
2: You know, Carlisle's been really public about that. Like, hey, we're not sneaking up on anybody anymore, guys. Right. Like, we're going to see a different level of competition here out west. They've got the Lakers tonight. Do you think LeBron James circles this game at all on the schedule because of Benedict Matherin's comments back in the summer?
1: No, I think LeBron James probably assumes that everybody in the league has comments about him because you know what I mean. But a rookie saying it publicly? Well, that's a good point. I mean, Jordan would have for sure. Not to compare everything to Jordan, but you know, we Michael Jordan made up stories for crying out loud about guys talking <laughs> about him, right?
2: Uh, so that creates a bit of a jumble on the schedule tonight. So let's go over this for our airwaves. Um, the Pacers and Lakers tip at ten thirty tonight. Obviously, the Colts and the Steelers kick at is it eight fifteen? I always get confused on the Monday night, Sunday night. I think it's.
1: I always just start times. Mark, you know. It's all, I think eight fifteen. So
2: basically, if you want to listen to the
1: Colts game all the
2: way through,
1: there's no way it's. Eight, it's got to be like eight seventeen. Don't they always put it like some <laughs> weird number?
2: Ninety-seven point one. That would be Hank FM, one of our sister stations. That is where you want to go. For the Colts game. So pregame coverage will begin here at 5.30. And then for kickoff, you want to flip over to our sister station. That would be Hank. Again, 97.1 FM. It because is
1: that's a, where you'll get the Colts
2: game in entirety, right? Correct. You'll get the Colts yeah. game in entirety, whereas here the Pacers game will be joined, or I guess yeah, they'll, they'll deviate away from the Colts game um, What somewhat early in the second half for the Pacers game. I believe that's the same case next Sunday night with Dallas and Indy Sunday night football. I think the Colts have got Portland next, or the Pacers have Portland next Sunday.
1: By the way, before we get into the Colts talk, one thing to clear up, Kevin, you would know better than I on this, but I think we're going to disagree. Several people pointing out to me, you would take Wisconsin from a coaching standpoint to circle back to that for Luke Fickle over Notre Dame because Notre Dame's admission requirements make it too tough to recruit. Uh, I will again go back to I applaud Notre Dame and their fan base for building that brand and that image. but if you can play and you are good enough, Notre Dame will find a way to let you play football at Notre Dame. We'll maintain that. not every play not every football player at Notre Dame average has a three five gPA in high school. sure.
2: but it's, I would say the vast majority of them do not have higher gpas than Alabama
1: or insert other college football. Uh, teams. i I don't I mean, I, I don't want to disparage somebody not knowing their academic transcripts, but, I mean, there are players that you look at and you're like, okay, I mean, I, fine young men, don't get me wrong, but I Alabama to me, sure. I, I mean, but if somebody is good enough, I, I, do you really think that Notre Dame, if somebody was a five-star recruit that you were after, that Notre Dame's admission requirements would say, they're not playing here?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately I do. I think it's a big reason why Brian Kelly left.
1: Okay, I, I will respectfully disagree based on players that have played there. Or that were offered there, and then ended up going elsewhere.
2: I just don't understand. Like for Fickle in Wisconsin, I'm not. He just. I feel like he could hold out for something bigger. Uh, Wisconsin's pretty big. It's probably right, but a like, top... isn't there a ceiling at Wisconsin?
1: Where's your recruiting pipeline? Well, the Big Ten's realigning, right? Which would make it even more difficult. Well, uh, no, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like to 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 rule that out. I mean, it in the Big Ten West, if it as it was, if the goal is to win a national title, is Wisconsin really the place for him? More so than Cincinnati, sure.
2: But I thought he could hold out for, I mean, pretty much anything in college football, let alone the NFL, if he wanted to pursue that. What do you think Wisconsin's
1: paying him? I saw Matt rules making nine million a year. So I bet Wisconsin's paying him seven or eight. At Nebraska. And what was he making at Cincinnati? So what I'm saying is, if you can, I mean, if you can up yourself two to three million a year for the the next three years before you jump to Ohio State, it's fascinating to me that Ryan Day would be like 55 and five at Ohio State and there's chatter, right? But at the same time, one game does not a career make, I realize, but Ryan Day has too much talent to lose by 22 points at home to anyone. Anyone. You're... your What's thoughts
2: that? on uh, on tonight? I feel like we haven't talked a lot of Colts here in the opener, so um, close it out with a little.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think the biggest question mark is the health for the Colts, right? And I don't mean necessarily like knees and ligaments. Like there's a there's illness going around, right? It's kind of a multi-week thing now. It's probably
2: seven or eight guys that have shown up on in the injury report due to illness. Kylan Grant's doubtful due to that. Zaire Franklin questionable. Franklin obviously is a huge name considering what he's done for you linebacker this year. Uh, and no quiddy pay. He was ruled out yesterday. I am very worried about Matt Ryan's health these next two weeks. Tonight and Sunday. These two defensive lines, Pittsburgh and Dallas, uh, they would frighten me if I were Matt
1: Ryan. You were talking about how North Carolina, the Indiana-North Carolina game, like does it have like a, a lack of oomph. Does this game tonight feel like it's, it's kind of now all of a sudden strangely... Fl- Maybe it's just because we're coming off the holiday weekend, but like... There's like wind out of the sails yeah,
2: there. I would agree. I think some of it has to do with a little bit of where it falls in like the holiday calendar, to your point. Uh, but yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I mean if you look at the schedule, or if you look at, you know, where these two teams rank from a point differential standpoint, I mean two of the worst teams in the league. And you you have a section of each fan base, Jake, that's probably thinking more about the draft.
1: I've seen a lot of things online. Hey, I've got extra, or I've got tickets for the Colts game. You know, hundred dollars or best offer. You know that kind of thing. I've seen a fair amount of that, but it'll still be fun, though, right? It's Monday Night Football. It's the Colts and the Steelers. It's, if nothing else, nostalgically speaking, it's a cool game. Well,
2: as soon as Mark plays the intro today, and by the way, produce fight song. I feel like it's underrated. Um, when
1: Mark had that intro, and you hear the Monday Night Music, I don't know about you. he just kind of gave me a little jolt. Totally. Oh yeah. All we need now is the voice of. Frank Gifford and Dandy Don Meredith if you're my age
2: Steelers off to their worst start since 03 that's to be expected a little bit I guess with what they did at quarterback but still uh, defensively it is a very high paid defense that's not lived up to it so we'll chat about that tonight 815 to kick off Purdue or uh, Purdue Indiana- Indianapolis is a slight favorite two and a half really <laughs> over <laughs> under 39 first one to 17 wins <laughs>
1: <laughs> again if you're living in boise idaho are you are you tuning in and no manning cast, right no manning cast i have a theory on that too
2: shout out to our state champions from the weekend that would be lutheran in class a the 2a game was modern day my wife and my mother's alma mater shatard got it done in 3a east central 4a sound like the 5a game was a thriller I, it was valpo and whiteland yep. And then Center Grove in 6A.
1: How about Center Grove? Three in a row, right? And 16 now for Chitard? So congratulations. Congratulations to all of them. Congratulations to all of them.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
2: Jake, week 12 in the NFL. First time in the history of the league that you had two games decided by winning two-point conversions in the final minutes of regulation you had the Jags over the Ravens your guy Trevor Lawrence Jake hell of a drive there at the end big time throw to Zay Jones they beat the Ravens and then Brandon Staley who's pretty much been known for this uber aggressive Justin Herbert to Gerald Everett they beat the Cardinals
1: on a two-point conversion are the Cardinals the biggest disappointment so far the year or would that be the Packers wouldn't it be the rams defending super Bowl champions there you go they look three and eight that's a good point yeah
2: and how about that raiders game we talked about it before the break the seahawks had a guy daryl taylor was it was a condre Diggs? i think intercepts a ball daryl taylor is on the sideline he thinks that the play is over he just runs on the field to celebrate as the return is happening and then realizes he's kind of in like the you know chaotic nature of a interception return so he starts blocking people 12 guys on the field for seattle the refs don't catch it and they still couldn't return it right no no he, it was one of those awkward things where i think he knew he shouldn't be out there right at one point so he wasn't really blocking just trying to blend in at that point too effectively but josh jacobs with the walk-off in that
1: one i saw somebody say he should have since it was in seattle and he's with the raiders he should have just run into the tunnel right was it it was in seattle wasn't it was. Give a Bo Jackson tribute and run into the tunnel. How about the finishes um, the
2: Raiders have had the last three weeks? Yeah. Colts-Raiders I mean, game, then Devonta Adams, touchdown in overtime last week. Josh Jacobs, I mean, To, your point,
1: to your point, Kev, I, I know that you had picked them to go to the Super Bowl, and we can laugh at that if we want. No, but should, at four should. and seven, they don't feel four and seven, right? I, I mean, I know people think they're terrible, but they—they just it's not have, like they get blown out of games.
2: They have three dudes that would be anybody's top two or three player, Correct. On any team, and Max Crosby and Devonta Adams and Josh Jacobs. It wasn't, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my brother in law about this. Titans Bengals on was the one o'clock game here locally, and for those again still in the Colts playoff crowd. I actually thought that the Colts should be cheering for Tennessee to win that game. Do the Colts have a more realistic chance? And again, the Colts have got to go on a crazy run here to end the year. But do you think it's more realistic the Colts make the playoffs to be the wild card or the division this year? Sure. If we're going uber glass half full here, with six games to go, guessing you're drinking from like can you can you repeat that? Yes. For the crowd out there that still believes that the Colts can get to eight or nine wins. Okay. Better chance, wild card or division? Someone's still thinking it's blackout Wednesday. If you're thinking the Colts have a chance at the playoffs, you're drinking a little too much.
1: Well, at the division, they have no chance, right? I mean, I guess mathematically they do, right? Tennessee's remaining schedule. They got Philly, right, this week? Tennessee's remaining schedule, they have... Let's see here. They're at Philly, so that's tough. They host Jacksonville. They're at the J- or they're at the Chargers. So let's let's give the Chargers some love. They host the Texans, there's two. They host the Cowboys. That's a solid Thursday night game. And they are at Jacksonville. So let's say they split with Jacksonville. The bottom falls out and everything else, but they beat Houston twice. So there's three wins right there. So that puts them at 10. Yeah, if they get to 10, then there's no way. Yeah, I mean, and I Tennessee in the regular season. Now, I'm not speaking for the postseason, but in the regular season, Tennessee strikes me as a team under Mike Vrabel, Kevin, that takes care of what they need to take care of when they need to take care of it.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it.
1: Can't speak for the postseason, but...
2: Yeah, tonight, I mean, Colts and Steelers, again, it's pretty much the fatal blow for whoever loses um, this one. I just... I look at T.J. Watt and Cameron Hayward and Alex Highsmith, and if the Colts do not have success on the early downs tonight, boy, that O-line trying to hold up against this D-line. And then next week, did you... I mean, you. I'm sure you watched Dallas on Thanksgiving. Michael Parsons and that crew? Yeah. Against this offensive line. These next two weeks, boy, I, I just... Holding up in pass protection
1: with Matt Ryan at quarterback, what, very worrisome. If what I were you will fan. see tonight, what Colts fans will see tonight, is a glimpse into the future. And when I say a glimpse into the future, and I realize it's a different year, but a year ago, Pittsburgh was in a situation where they had a quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger who was aging and on the verge of retirement. And everyone knew he was on the verge of retirement. And he'd been on the verge of retirement and aging and shelved and injured and banged up for like three straight seasons. But Pittsburgh never really addressed finding the heir apparent. So they went out and they signed Mitchell Trubisky thinking maybe that was a guy to hold them over for a year. But they drafted the guy that many thought was the best quarterback prospect in last year's draft in Kenny Pickett, who, I know he has sm- small hand size, but had a nice career at Pitt, was a local hero, and you know was thought by many to be, there were, there were glaring things about him that were drawbacks, but it was thought that he had the moxie that he could be an NFL quarterback, and he may well be. And Pittsburgh has handed over the reins to him now. And for a franchise that was used to and accustomed to great quarterback play, they now find themselves in the situation of testing out a guy, trying to figure out whether or not it's just rookie lumps or he just simply can't play. Is he the guy that you want to hand the keys over to? How long do you give that before you decide that you got to go in another direction? There are so many questions that go into the quarterback position. The Indianapolis Colts – have a quarterback in Matt Ryan that is representative of a position in terms of three guys, Ryan, Carson Wentz, Phillip Rivers. In Wentz's case, a little bit of an anomaly, but with Rivers in particular, but since the retirement, the retirement of Andrew Luck, it has been, we know that eventually we're going to have to get a young player to address the quarterback position, but they didn't really do so and haven't done so now until all of a sudden it's there in front of them And next year, theoretically, there's going to be a young quarterback, one would assume or hope, for the Colts, whether it be Sam Ellinger or elsewhere, but they are going to be seeing and trying out their Kenny Pickett. And what you're going to see tonight, Kevin, is the the question mark at quarterback. I mean, Pickett may have a great game tonight, and you go, see? Or, more likely, Pittsburgh is going to struggle to score points on the big stage, and... They're going to continue to ask themselves if this is the guy.
2: Yeah, that's all the feel of kind of the first one to 17 wins tonight.
1: How about New Orleans getting shut out yesterday? How often do NFL teams get shut out, by the way? God, 49ers can continue to play. Pretty good ball. Um, yeah, I,
2: I, think, I think we're kind of entering this interesting evaluation period for Jeff Saturday of you look at this eight-game slate that he took over. It probably is well served for him that he gets this little Thanksgiving extra day here after two games. He's going to get a bye week coming up in a couple weeks. It's not like he's going to have eight straight weeks of a grind of a team that's done with their playoff hopes. Again, they're clinging, but they've got these little breaks in here of the Thanksgiving break, the bye week. And I bring that up to say, you know, when you think about Jeff Saturday at the end of the year does he look back on this two-month hiatus and think, you know what, that wasn't too bad. That wasn't too much of a grind. And do these breaks kind of help his mental mindset a little bit and say, yeah, I feel like I can do that full-time?
1: Kevin, the challenge for the Colts, you know, we're we're turning a page a little bit here, but the challenge for the Colts, if Jeff Saturday wants to do this full-time or shows an acumen that the Colts believe means that he is the guy for them full-time, The challenge is the manner and the means in which they acquired Jeff Saturday and brought him in. You know, people close to Ursa not even knowing that Frank Reich had been fired, and then all of a sudden Jeff Saturday comes in. And, you know, we've talked uh, a lot on this program about the fact that, like, I'm cool with Jeff Saturday getting that opportunity. I love the guy. I am not one that believes that you've got to go out and get a retread every time. But there was so much criticism of the Jeff Saturday hire from inside the football fraternity and notably from a Rooney Rule standpoint, even though that does not apply to the interim tag, that if you now give him the full-time hire, even though they will go through the proper protocol, and there is going to be a backlash. Whether or not the Colts care about it is a different talk show. But there's going to be a backlash of, well, see, this had stink written all over it from day one, and they didn't go through the proper protocols of vetting and doing everything possible to find the right football guy for the job.
2: Some interesting Jim Irsay comments with Stephen Holder we can get to a little bit later. Um, maybe got lost in the shuffle. I think it was like Thanksgiving when Stephen posted this, but I'm basically saying that Frank Reich approached Jim Irsay for a contract extension when Ursay gave him that a couple of years ago, and that, his family's connection with Reich was the reason why he felt like the extension was worth giving him. It seems like a very kind of like odd reason as opposed to results man- mandating when you hand out those extensions or not. Um, and then Ursay, which I think he's done you know publicly a lot. Like, he is very, very defensive about the Jeff Saturday stance and the Jeff Saturday position and how it's viewed. Right. And that lends me to think, Jake, he really, really, really wants this to work out. And he's going to have some rose-colored glasses
1: in looking at this situation at the end of the year. I think it also might illuminate one other possibility regarding Jim Irsay.
2: Jake, quite the
3: weekend. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: And for the Boilers, they're traveling back right now to West Lafayette from their win of the Phil Knight Legacy Classic. That is double-digit wins over West Virginia, Gonzaga, and... And Duke, they close that Duke game. I don't think Duke scored in the final like six or seven minutes of that game. Um, and then the day prior, I, I guess we got to go back to Friday. Nebraska holds on to beat Iowa, and that allows Purdue to face a win and go to the Big Ten title game with Indiana. They're down at half. Devin Mockaby, Charlie Jones, Aiden O'Connell and company, outstanding in the second half. The Dexter Williams injury, which you just hated to see for Indiana, certainly played a role, but Purdue wins that one kind of going away in the
1: fourth quarter um, quite a weekend for Purdue fans and Bob Kravitz was covering it uh, all weekend long with the athletic do we have Bob by the way Mark yeah, a couple more, I okay uh, Bob's going to join us in a couple of minutes and you know I talked to Bob yesterday and we were talking primarily about the bucket game and then it, as I was talking to him he's like hey man they just went on an 11 nothing run against Duke I'm like holy cow like it just it was a really good weekend unquestionably a really good weekend for them um athletically and, and Kevin you made an interesting point I mean Michigan's going to be the heavy favorite I don't know what the early line is in that game but 15 and a half you say Mark you know I've always said why not Indiana how about half, why
2: right? not Purdue right why not Purdue just you know uh, apply some game pressure I, I mean it's not like Michigan fans are going to be paying out the wazoo to come down to Indianapolis for that game but I'd assume that will be a heavy Purdue contingent inside
1: of Lucas Oil Stadium
2: yeah i mean, if, I you're, mean you're, hey, if you're an ohio state fan and you had tickets to that game
1: you're gonna sell them to the old boiler faithful before you're sell, correct. selling them. and there are a lot of ohio state fans that i remember last year when michigan played was it iowa they played yeah they big 10 title game smoked them. like an hour before the game was to kick off a buddy of mine who's an ohio state fan's like you want to go to the big 10 championship game and i'm like what well, i got a suite <laughs> i bought a suite like six weeks ago and i've got to like fill it up with 10 people you know dah, dah, dah. you want to go and i i couldn't go but um you know it'll be listen it'll be a lot of fun this weekend i mean it, whether you're an Indiana fan, Ohio State fan, whatever it is, come downtown and enjoy it and go to the bars and, and enjoy the crowds and just have fun with it. It's festive. It's great.
2: Andrew goes, as a Purdue fan, I don't ever want to hear about how they never get local radio airtime. Love the coverage today. Boiler up. Yeah, I mean, somebody
1: – here's the thing. Somebody sends a thing calling us out that we've never talked about Purdue before, and I'm like, well, that's clearly somebody's not listening. I'm wearing a Purdue hat today for crying out loud.
2: And, again, credit – to purdue for you know not forcing us but providing such an opportunity to talk about them
1: last night we were talking about it because i you know the three of us obviously have texts where we talk about and plan out what the show's going to be and the colts are playing tonight yes monday night football the pacers played yesterday the pacers are playing the lakers tonight i mean it's very rare
2: i think just to have a college storyline you know, supersede what's happening professionally when the Colts and the Pacers are in the midst of their own season, like you said, Monday Night Football, Jake. Pacers Lakers tonight, but that is what Purdue did this weekend. And to talk more about that. Bob Kravitz joins us right now from the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Bob, if you don't mind, just a little bit of a peek behind the curtain um, with you at the bucket game. Uh, we played the clip from you and Jeff Brom a little bit earlier in that post-game press conference. Um, like, when did you find out about the Aiden O'Connell news and, and just how that entire storyline played out for you?
0: Yeah, uh, well, I noticed that uh, Aiden was very emotional on the sideline. And uh, I went to the game, and I, I went downstairs, and as I was walking, I, uh, I walked by their, their team uh, chaplain, uh, Marty Dittmar. And I said, what was that all about? And he said, well, I'll let, I'll let uh, Aiden... You know, share that. But he said it's it's an unbelievable story. It's unbelievable that he played on Saturday. Um, and then, of course, you know, I asked Jeff Brom about it, and he got very emotional. So I knew that there was a family uh, tragedy involved. Um, I found out later, uh, as I was writing, what exactly happened—that he lost his uh, older brother. I believe it was. Um, I decided not to. Right, because it was my understanding that Aiden was going to uh, uh, put out a statement the very next day, and uh, that's just one of those where you make kind of a professional decision. Uh, you know, it's not like Andrew Luck retiring and you got to get it out there. I just felt uh, I felt that I should let him make that announcement, and so I kept it under my hat. And um, just kind of let it go from there, Bob. As somebody who was there,
1: was it? I mean, you had mentioned that you know you kind of had an inkling, but could you could you kind of feel in the in the atmosphere of the post game with Purdue and what should have been obviously this overwhelming celebration? Um, you know how how noticeable was kind of that. You know, this, this obviously tragic cloud that was hanging there.
0: Well, I mean, the players, you know, we we, we actually got kind of lost walking downstairs. Uh, they changed where the visitors uh, do their press conference, at least since I've been there last, which has been a long time. And, um, you know, the players were like, you know, kids at Christmas morning diving into their hats and shirts. It really wasn't until I... I I touched base with uh, the, uh, the with with the uh, chaplain, and then and then conversed, uh, asked the question of of Brahm, and he got very uh, very emotional. So and, you know, and, and he made it clear that there was a family situation that he didn't want to talk about. So you know, I guess I guess I could have done something different with it, but I just felt I felt uncomfortable knowing that. He was going to make an announcement, I didn't want to step on that.
2: I thought you handled it beautifully. Bob Kravitz with us here from The Athletic on the Payless Liquors Hotline. The other big Purdue news from this past weekend is what they did out in Portland on the basketball floor. A pretty dominant, beating West Virginia, Gonzaga, and Duke. You look at this December slate, I mean, there's a good chance they honestly will start January undefeated. But if you kind of had to sum up why you think Matt Painter has been able to sustain a high level, I mean, routine, top of the Big Ten, top five seed in the tournament amidst you know just the inevitable roster turnover you have, how would you kind of summarize that?
0: He gets guys who fit. You know, if you go back a couple of years, and I remember talking to Matt about this, you go back a couple of years when they were really struggling for about two, three years there, he was going for... The big talents with with the four stars and the five stars and it didn't work out they were terrible and a lot of players left the program because they couldn't handle you know matt Matt's not an easy guy to play for and that's what makes him great i think he's gotten back to getting guys who fit the purdue culture who want to be there for a long time who uh play selfless basketball Now, you know, uh, I love what Purdue is doing, but correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they show out early last year in all these tournaments, and then they failed to win the Big Ten regular season, they failed to win the Big Ten tournament, and they got knocked out by St. Peter's in the NCAA tournament. So I would say give it some time. I mean, they're a wonderful team to watch, uh, and they just annihilated Uh, Duke and Gonzaga. I thought they just outclassed them in every conceivable manner. But we've seen this Am I right about last year? Yeah, yeah. they
1: beat Nova and uh, Carolina. Literally, I got a a text here that says, what we have to remember is that last year, Purdue played like this against North Carolina and Villanova, but we did not play well in the tournament.
2: But again, no one thought they would do what they did in Portland. People thought they would do what they did last year in November.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Fletcher, lawyer and 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 uh, Braden Smith. I mean, Braden Smith is, is so much fun to watch. I mean, and he's another guy that you know. I, I don't know uh, that he had a lot of uh, a lot of offers, you know. But you look at Zach Eady. Zach Eady was ranked like number five hundred in the country as far as as far as uh, you know incoming freshmen. And look at him now. I mean, he's a stud. So I, I just think that. I think Painter and his staff have a good sense of what kind of player, both physically and and personally, will fit in that program, and he's got it. He's got it working beautifully now.
1: Bob, the reality is, when it comes to uh, going back to the bucket game. By the way, you know there are two local teams that are in that game, so might as well do a buy one get one here in terms of the coverage or the analysis of it from the Indiana side. Um, look, I'll be blunt. I'll, I'll be blunt because I've said it on this show before uh tom allen ain't it in my opinion for indiana and and i think he's a wonderful guy don't get me wrong i think he's a really nice guy i think he's a probably a, a really good influence on young people but in terms of coaching a football team the big 10 network showed before the game tom allen addressing the indiana football team and i'm not in the locker room don't get me wrong but i'm watching it. And I'm watching him parade up and down, and I'm looking at the body language of the players, and it looked to me like a bunch of players that were like, "Oh my gosh, dude, just wrap it up." And, yeah. And they just there were I actually saw an eye roll. I mean, they can they pan the camera, and you can see one player rolling his eyes. A has Tom Allen lost the team, and B is it time for Indiana to move on?
0: The problem is twenty million bucks, right? The 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 the, uh, the buyout is twenty million. But, you know, I I did not think that they would buy out Archie, especially toward the end of a pandemic. Different sport and different
1: priority of the university, though, right?
0: Right. I, I understand that. Um, but that, that's another reason. Because it's a, such a high priority, basketball is, somebody stepped up. I don't think Tom Allen is out. <clears throat> I think Tom Allen will get another year. The, you know, I thought he hurt himself. I don't know if you guys heard it. Um, during his radio show, he went on for about 10 minutes straight. It was just a filibuster about how the NIL is killing Indiana. Well, here's what I said, Bob. What I said about that,
1: sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but, but you tell me if you agree with this. My thought was, because Tom Allen's talking about how Indiana doesn't have the funds or the commitment for NIL that, like, an Ohio State does and whatever else, and I'm thinking to myself, buddy, you better be careful what you wish for, because if Indiana was willing to raise and capable of raising tens of millions of dollars, it ain't going to NIL. It's going to buy you out.
0: Right, Exactly right. Exactly right. Now, I, look – I mean, how, how has Purdue done it? I mean, I, I do not know the answer to this, but does Purdue, which has gone, won eight games, in a, uh, eight games two, two years in a row uh, for the first time since 97, 98, are they doing that much better in NIL funds than Indiana? And I asked that question not knowing the answer. Yeah. But they're winning. Yeah, and, and again, I...
2: NIL is still new. I mean, Purdue established, and obviously, Aiden O'Connell wouldn't even be sniffed from an NIL standpoint when right. he came out of high school. And what they've done with the with the transfer portal, I think, helps. But I mean, certainly, Jeff Brom is a better head coach than Tom Allen. So I think was Tom Allen right with you know a large chunk of what he said NIL wise? Yes, but also you've got to get your program to a level of at least acceptable ground before you even then entertain the thought of, okay, the next level NIL-wise takes you from, you know, five-win Big Ten team to seven- or eight-win Big Ten team. I just think – I think the COVID year was – Tom Allen was the perfect guy for a year when players were looking for anything to get out of their dorm rooms and go play football, Um, and I just don't think he has that luxury that he had back then.
0: Yeah, it's going to be kind of a tough call. I mean – Again, the buyout is, you know, it's, I guess it's doable. I mean, somebody's got to check somewhere. Um, I would agree with you. I mean, they, this is two years in a row where he said, you know, let's find out what we're really about. We found out what they're really about. They're a four or five win team. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a mess. I, I do not know what Dolson does in this situation.
2: Yeah, again, I just don't think you got enough boosters that care about IU football to that level. Uh, Bob Kravitz, again, he is with us here on the Payless Less Liquors Hotline. Bob, looking ahead to tonight, Colts and Steelers, um, we're now what? Almost a month, I guess a little bit less than a month, into the Jeff Saturday era. Um, do you think he's more of a legit permanent head coaching candidate now than maybe you thought three or four Mondays ago?
0: Oh, probably just because they played they played really well against the Raiders and they played well enough to uh, almost beat the know uh, beat the Eagles, who are clearly the best team in the in the league. So, uh, yeah, I think he, you know he's more of a candidate now. Let's see how it goes. You know, I mean, they got an easy game, not an easy game. They're playing an equally bad team tonight, but then they've got. I don't have it in order, brother. They got at Minnesota, at the Giants, at the Vikings, uh, the at Chargers. Dallas. Yeah, so Dallas. So, I mean, it's going to be a real tough road to hope for them coming down the stretch. Um, I, you know, I'll tell you, I'll I'll throw a name out there coming in this week with uh, with Michigan, Jim Harbaugh.
1: Okay, which leads me to this, Bob. Is yeah. that a
2: Erse? Can, can can I? Yeah, go ahead. Interject there. Is that a Jim Erse? Always been fond of Jim Harbaugh from that sense.
0: I that's my understanding is that he's always been a big Jim Harbaugh fan, but you know we haven't uh, we haven't had that discussion in in, in recent times. You know, once the season is over, I'll start doing that reporting, but. Uh, I'm just looking at guys who might be... you, you got to know that Jim Ursay wants to make a big splash. And, you know, that doesn't mean uh, a guy who's an offensive coordinator uh, or a defensive coordinator that nobody's ever heard of. I think he wants to make a splash, especially after the way he screwed up this whole situation this year. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wonder about Jim Harbaugh, who's in the ring of honor, who has... Um, made it clear that he, he wants back with uh, in the NFL. So I don't know. I'm just throwing a name out there. So I'm not saying he's a, he's a candidate, but he's somebody I would certainly think about. So Bob, let's
1: let's go with a hypothetical here. It's one year from now. The Colts are getting ready to play on Monday Night Football. You are on our show, assuming that we're still doing a show, and <laughs> and I ask you about it. And you say, you know, I talked to Jim Harbaugh about that yesterday, and he was talking about how he was really happy with the way their quarterback is playing. And, in fact, he just had a discussion with the general manager about how long they can lock that quarterback in. The quarterback and the general manager that you're talking about in that scenario one year from today is who? Or are who?
0: Uh, I think probably Jeff Sack who's upstairs. Okay, I think Jeff Saturday moves upstairs. I, I don't. I think poor Chris. Ba- not poor Chris Ballard. I think Chris Ballard has been emasculated by what's what's happened this year. Uh, Jim Irsey. You know, I mean, look, everybody. I think a lot of people really have warm feelings for Jim Irsey. He's done so many great things, but I think he has messed up this season in so many ways. Um, you know. I, I think I think Saturday will probably probably end up in the GM role. Uh, who will be the coach? I don't know. Maybe Harbaugh. Maybe somebody else. Maybe the enemy. if he can finally get, get you know break through the glass ceiling. Uh, I, I'm not really sure, but I don't think that Chris Ballard will be here next year. Do you believe that Chris
1: Ballard would be relieved of his duties, or do you believe that Chris Ballard would hand in his walking papers?
0: Well, I you know I would think. That they would fire, you know. If you want to get paid, don't you? Generally speaking, have to get fired. I mean, yes. if you just walk away. You just walk away. I mean, I've tried that, and it doesn't work. They don't pay anymore. <laughs> so, so uh, I, I think I think they'll reach a gentleman's agreement and uh, and move from there. I mean, you look at you, you look at Ballard and the way he acted at the Jeff Saturday press conference. And then, and Jake, you and I spoke about this the other day, one of our late-night uh, radio calls. That's right. Radio talks, our radio uh, phone phone conversations. And, you know, after the game, after the Raiders game, Jim Mercy like, everybody in here for a picture. Chris? Chris? No, Chris, you come here, too. And he don't want anything to do with this mess. So I, I would... I would have a hard time believing that he's going to be the GM next year.
2: It's like the boyfriend at the family Christmas of, like, do we want him in the actual <laughs> picture? Is he still going to be around Put him here? on the edge so we can crop him out. Yeah, moving forward. Uh, Bob, a normal, like, sports calendar. Tonight's Pacers-Lakers game would be a huge, huge storyline, but it gets lost in the shuffle with everything that's transpired in the last 72 hours or so. Um any vibes change at all for you, Miles Turner, extension-related here in Indiana? We saw over the weekend, I believe Mark Stein had this. Miles Turner's changed agencies. He's moved to CAA, kind of one of the oh, really? mega agencies out there. Usually when I see that, I think that's a man that wants to go get the bag, as the young kids say, in free agency. Um, anything change for you on that front based off yeah. how the season's gone so far?
0: Nothing at all, and if anything, that, that confirms that uh – you know, I, I've been saying that he, he wants to move on. Uh, what I do not know is whether the Pacers are interested in extending him. I think uh, for the right price they would be. He's been playing tremendous basketball um, now that he's freed up to play the five full time. Um, but I, I, I still think – I think Miles wants a bigger market. I think he would love to go back to Dallas. Um and I don't blame him. I mean, look, this team, they're playing well, but they're probably not going to be a contender for a long time. He wants to go someplace where they're going to contend. And I think he likes the big city. You know, he likes he likes having people around and reporters, and he, he's into all that stuff. So, I, I you know, I, I don't blame him. Go get your money. And, and who doesn't want to become a free agent? I want to become a free agent. I haven't been a free agent for a long time. I miss it. Trust me, I just got off a long free
1: agency, and it's
2: not all cracked out to me all the time.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, been there, done that, Bob.
2: But no, I yeah. Miles never been a free agent in his what eight no. years in the NBA. So you think that's got to be enticing to him, Bob? I thought you handled Saturday really, really well. Um, I respect that big time from that storyline and and everything that transpired there. And uh, get a nap in today because I know it'll be a late night. That it will. Your
1: friendly. Rem-
3: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Finder that tonight's Colts game from the pregame all the way through. You can hear on 97.1 Hank FM, our sister station, right, Kev?
2: Yeah, so pregame coverage will begin right here on the fan at 5.30. Um, uninterrupted Colts coverage. Head over to Hank FM, 97.1. The Pacers game will be picked up on the Fan starting at 10.30. So that'll be the same case, I think, coming up this Sunday when you got Colts and Cowboys and Pacers, I believe, and Trailblazers. as The Pacers are out west. Lakers tonight, and they've got seven on the road before they're back at Cambridge Fieldhouse, December 9th. Um, tonight, I cannot stress this enough, the Colts have got to win the early downs. You get... You get into third and longs against T.J. Watt, Cameron Hayward, Alex Highsmith, uh, Sam Ellinger will be playing at some point. Like you just With this O-line, and it's the same thing for this Sunday, too, on the short week in Dallas, you cannot get into obvious passing situations against two of the more formidable, disruptive, game-changing defensive lines with Pittsburgh and then Dallas.
1: Several years ago, Kevin, I mean, it's been 25 years ago. Uh, I went to a Monday night football game for the Colts here in Indy where the Colts were not very good. They took on Buffalo, and I want to say it was like the Colts were blanked. They were shut out, and it was just like a terrible game. (laughs) This has potential to be just a really ugly game offensively. I mean, there might be some great defensive play because, look, the Colts have a good defense. But Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh, does does that scare anybody? George Pickett, I mean, does that scare anybody? It does have the potential to be one that even if Matt Ryan's in for a long night, the Colts are still in the game the entire time because Pittsburgh can't move the football.
2: Which is kind of been the story of the season, right? Yeah. I think it's the first one to 17 wins tonight. Um, again, to your point, Jake, the Colts' defense has been stout, and it's really a shame there aren't more wins to show for what the defensive effort has been. Pittsburgh has had a few more flashes from Kenny Pickett in recent weeks. Still not a lot, but a few more. On that front, Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson. I mean, there there are some names in the in the skill group.
1: A uh, lot of yellow and black in the stands tonight. I, I, mm-hmm. I would assume a lot of. I've seen a lot of people selling tickets. Terrible towels. Um, it is the
2: kicking the stigma game for the Colts, so a lot of awareness raised there towards mental health. And again, 1956 throwback jerseys from Indy. Mark Dykman. It is a two and a half point Colt favor favorite I should say and the over under is 39 your pick I don't like the Colts offensive line and I like the Colts or the Steelers defensive line so I'm going to give that as the difference Steelers 20 Colts 17 hmm. I'm going 17 13 guys and I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers I think TJ Watt and company make a play in the fourth quarter Uh, That sets up a short field, stops a drive, something to that note. Pittsburgh's D-line makes one game-changing play more than the Colts' D-line, and I think that's the difference.
1: I was a huge Steelers fan growing up in my childhood before the Colts moved here. I had Steelers pajamas. I had a Steelers lamp. Still have it. I had a Steelers trash can. Still have it. If I was a kid, I would have proudly been wearing those Steelers colors tonight, but I lost that phantom a long time ago. But the kid in me would have been disappointed because the Colts are going to win 20-12. Pittsburgh just does not have enough offensive firepower, I think, to get it done. Colts score 20? I think so. I think so. Maybe, one, a, maybe one of them's is a defensive touchdown.
2: It is a high-paid Pittsburgh defense. I think it's the most money of any defense in the NFL. They have not lived up to it this season. But, again, T.J. Watt has only been around for a few games. He's healthy now. Again, Colts... And Steelers, eight fifteen, Pacers and Lakers at ten thirty. We'll talk about all of that. And we've got a preview of the United States and Iran tomorrow, right? Two That's o'clock.
1: Right. Extensive preview.
2: Uh we will do that. A lot of Purdue coverage on today's show. Bob Kravitz up on the
1: podcast. Thank you to him for joining us. Everybody have a great Monday. Good luck getting back into the swing of things. We'll talk to you tomorrow.